Hello and welcome to Not So Molly Mormon Podcast. Hi, it's Kelly, also known as Breakdown Barbie. (laughs) (laughs) I wish that I, this is Katie, and I don't have an identifier as of yet, but maybe by the end of the show, uh, I could be such and such Barbie. Um, As of right now, I can just be apostate Barbie. That works. That works, my friend. That works. Um, Tattoos and like piercings all over the place. We're in a tank top. Oh my God. Showing those Mm -hmm. porn shoulders. Can you even? (laughs) Well, listeners, if you couldn't tell by not only the title of this, but from our (laughs) little Barbie intro, we're going to be talking about the Barbie movie today. And we, I've been so excited to talk to you about this, Kelly, because Mm -hmm. I just know you're going to have so many things to say because we both watched it we both were very emotional about it and I think that there's a lot of connections to being a woman growing up in Mormonism oh 100% it's yeah it's it's intense the movie was actually super heavy for me uh the first time I saw it Mm -hmm. yeah I mean there there's obviously like comedic Part, of course yeah but, but that's our life right we laugh about our yeah, trauma exactly yeah exactly and it's just so um relatable so anyway I want to hear your thoughts I want to okay. just dive right in and I'll I'll let you kind of take control I do have one little like um article like I mentioned before we started recording that I want to share but mostly I just want to chat with you about it oh, and I know our, our lives and our lives growing up in a cult so in a cult yes um first we have to do opening exercises uh, um, okay, of course how could I forget <laughs> yes journal time oh okay. my god okay this is from July 19th 1997 I was 16 years old oh okay? my Oh, okay. We had just finished youth conference, which is like a, you know, four day event that they'll have during the summer for the members, the youth, uh, in the church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints. And uh-huh. <laughs> so in Texas, you know, I went every year cause it was a time to actually see other Mormons. And, right. um, so I journaled about it and it's like seven pages. I'm not lying. It's, Whoa. <laughs> but I'm not going to read all of that for you friends. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What I am going to say is one funny thing, not really about youth conference, but about the laurels in my ward, is that we talked a lot about, guess what? What do you think what? we talked about? Marriage. Oh, I was going to say boys, but yeah, marriage. <laughs> yeah, but boys, but like to the 11th degree. Like, oh, uh, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> a lot about marriage. And lot is underlined. Um, I do that a lot. I, I will underline things for emphasis. It's, oh, I do that too. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It seems we've been pondering. Oh, you used oh, the I word know. pondering. I did. I did. We've been pondering the day we get married. It's strange. We talked about it so much because it's been on my mind a lot lately. I'm 16. Oh, you're so little. And you're like, oh, it's been on my, oh, I just, mm-hmm. oh, I want them to mm-hmm. let them be kids. Not allowed, my friend. Um, I've even been praying for my future husband. I pray he is being taught by loving parents that he's remaining chaste. (gasps) He's being safe and clinging to the iron rod. (laughs) I love him dearly already, though I do not know who he is. (laughs) Whoa, Kelly, this is intense and amazing and you guys, I don't, if you've 
didn't grow up Mormon, this isn't really that like um, far fetched. No. Yes, because I, I feel like we all like either we were that girl or we all knew girls because because of how we were taught, like the ultimate end goal is to get married in the temple. And so it's like mm-hmm. drilled into you. And so, of course, you're going to be thinking, oh, I wonder who I will marry. And I wonder what he's doing right now. And I'm going to pray for him. And I already love him. Ah, <laughs> but your whole life and identity is around this person you haven't met yet. Right. Right, exactly. And um, that's your job is to get ready to be married. So that just kind of gives you an idea of my headspace. When I was a fucking, I was going into my senior year of high school, y'all, and I was like already thinking about getting married. Like, no. Just, wow. That's a hard stop. Let's not do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Whew, so Barbie movie. Um, <laughs> when I went in, I went in completely blind. Like I had only seen the teaser trailer where it shows like Margot Robbie standing up as the original Barbie, right? Right, yeah. So I'd I seen... had no clue. Yeah, I'd seen that one. And then I'd just seen a few things shared on social media where I like I heard that conservative Christians were all up in arms about it because it was too feminist. And that's all I saw. I didn't like really know why. And I was like, well, if it's quote unquote too feminist, I'm going to love it. So that's all I keep going into. I didn't realize how how deep it was going to be. I've never felt so seen in my entire life. Oh, I love that. It was literally a fever dream of my life um, in lots of ways, not just with the Mormon church, but there are like, there are so many things that I really got out of that movie. And, um, you know, I hope that Margot Robbie, like, I'm going to just drop her name in here just in case she ever listens, which she won't. (laughs) But um, I think Margot Robbie is such an incredibly talented, amazing actress because she it was so believable mm-hmm. and um you know obviously she's absolutely gorgeous but what i got out of it was just that she really cared about this and yeah. she gave everything to it and um you know i just love what they've done and mm-hmm. i love that women are going out in droves to watch this um yeah i went with a group of gals ranging in age from i think the youngest was i think i was the youngest and then we ranged in age all the way up until like 75 and we all wore pink and it was so much fun oh that's (laughs) cute i went uh, for the first time by myself it was kind of a last minute thing um and i left the house and i was like wouldn't it be funny if i wore this when i went to see barbie because i was wearing all blue like (laughs) all blue i had a blue blanket (laughs) I, I I was just like, okay, I am anti-Barbie. <laughs> I really do not like pink. So that's the only thing oh, that okay. I do not relate. Like I can do coral. <laughs> Coral's not pink. But you're not a pink gal. No. I'm wearing a I'm wearing a pink shirt right now that says girl power. I'm wearing a black shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, yeah. fair enough. <laughs> so so you know, this it's just like when I went into that movie, I had no idea that it was as deep and heavy as it was. And um, I think, you know, a lot of people have to relate to this. Um, I had like, I, it was extremely triggering for me too, which to be fair, like I kind of wish that they had mentioned that a little bit because I, I had several, like I had to fight an anxiety attack the entire time I watched that movie and I was shaking and I was crying and I was trying so hard to bottle it up because 
I was like by myself, but I'm sitting next to this mother and her teenage daughter. And I'd introduce myself because, you know, that's what I do. And so I was like, they're going to be like this Kelly, this lady is like seriously embarrassing herself in front of everybody. Because I mean, it was within the first 15 minutes, Katie, that I started crying. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, there, I can imagine because Mm -hmm. there's so much and it's coming at you so quickly and it's like triggering emotions of like, oh, I've felt that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think for you, even on a more intense level, in many aspects of of the the story. Yeah, <laughs> um, I I am very stoked to like really dig into it. Um, it's helped me process so much, Good. and you know, just feeling seen um, has made me want to share a little bit more about myself. Great, um, because it helped me. And so I'm hoping that this helps other people and also people who know me and don't know my story or where I came from, like, it's it's some crazy shit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, we'll begin at the beginning, my friend. Um, Okay. So, and so I went to this movie thrice. I am so impressed because you didn't even go that long ago, did you? No, I went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh my. (laughs) Goodness, girl. Okay. I know. So I went to it by myself and then I went with a friend mm-hmm. and I took notes the whole time about like, <gasps> I love was... that you did that. Yeah. And then I, that's when I was just like, oh my gosh, like we have to do this on Mormonism specifically. Um, Like I wanted to do it about my entire life, but that would literally take five hours because it was <laughs> so much, there is so much shit. Um, yeah. So you know, beginning at the beginning, we, uh, oh yeah. And that yesterday I went with my husband and I took notes again, but specifically for this podcast. Oh, great. Great. Oh, I'm so thrilled. Okay. I know. Okay. So we're going to start at the very beginning and I just cracked up when I, the third time I watched it, I noticed that the, or I realized that the women, the little girls playing with baby dolls, Mm -hmm. um, that and you know they just do that because they're supposed to be mothers and I was mm-hmm. like if this movie was about like Mormon Barbie they would have babies like it would be baby dolls yeah you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's that's literally like we are those little girls yeah I know we were those little girls and you're from the very young age you're told that yeah you need to be a mother mm-hmm. uh-huh. yeah. and this is the toy you play with right exactly and you know a lot of parents I heard wouldn't let their kids have Barbies because really? of their nakey nakey. Yeah. You know what? I actually, now that you say that, I I think I remember a, a long time ago, an episode of, way back when, but uh, someone had written into us and said that Barbies were forbidden because <gasps> you could take their clothes off. Yeah, and I was like, so that's probably much more common than <laughs> than we think, you know? Oh yeah. I had, however, a large suitcase blue zippered suitcase that was full oh. of Barbies and Yay. Full of their accessories. And I would take that suitcase to sleepovers and. Oh, fun. Oh, God. <laughs> Such fond memories. Yeah. I, I had, I don't know if it was a suitcase, but it was like a big kind of satchel thing. And I had, yeah, all my Barbies in there. I had all their accessories. And then one year for Christmas, I got the pink Barbie limo that had the swimming pool in the back. Shut up. You I know. I'm so excited. I bet you were. Dang. I know. I wish I still had it. I don't know where it went. <laughs> um, so 
when we go into Barbie land, <laughs> um, welcome to Mormonism. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Uh, except for the whole women being in charge thing, the thing that is extremely relatable um, is how clueless they are about okay. the the world. Like they think that they have helped women, they've helped empower women. Um, and what I what I really got out of it was that it, it's like Relief Society. Um, you guys, Relief Society is apparently the largest women's organization in the world because if you're a member oh. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and you turn 18, you're part of the freaking Relief Society. Yeah. It's just adult Sunday school for women, right? Y- yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like Relief Society where everybody's sitting around with these beautiful smiles on their faces. They're all, you know, looking the best that they can, which, mm-hmm. you know, the God, Mormons are beautiful. <laughs> I mean, beautiful people. Yeah, it's a it's a stereotype for a reason. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. And so, uh, you know, they have these surface friendships um, and surface relationships where you know they don't talk about real things. And um, what I thought was really funny was that the woman's getting up there and she's like, I'm emotional and I also have logic and that doesn't diminish me. You know, my powers, it strengthens them. And I could totally see somebody saying that in a relief society. With oh, absolutely. Exact, yes. With that exact pitch, that tone, everything. Yeah. And, and that false sense of empowerment, right? Oh my gosh. Yes. That yeah. false sense of empowerment. I love it. <laughs> so, um, you know, obviously we both relate to that. I think you were in uh, Relief Society too, weren't you? Yeah. I, I mean, I left the church like pretty quickly after I, I mean, I was at, like leaning out, especially by the time I turned 21. So I wasn't oh, God, there long, yeah. but okay. yeah, I've been, I've attended. <laughs> well, let me tell you friends what Relief Society is like. Oh dear God. Okay. It's, it's like, it's, if, I don't even know if they have it anymore. I don't believe they do. Cause I think now they just have Sunday school for both adults, like hashtag progression. You guys. Oh, so they don't se- separate. I know they only do the two hour church. Yeah. Now, so anyway, I think that's how it goes. I could be wrong because I don't go. So, <laughs> um, you know, Relief Society was always one of the most stressful third hours of church for me because like you go in and where you sit like matters yeah it's you have like an assigned almost area that you are allowed to sit in and if you yeah. move elsewhere people are like what and everybody saves seats and you know it's like if you walk in there and you're not one of the cool kids like <laughs> you're you're <laughs> either relegated to the very back where like <laughs> the people who are fucking off that's where they sit <laughs> or the fucking front where you're like staring at the nose hairs of the woman teaching so <laughs> so it's stressful and like with me having social anxiety and just being not that perfect beautiful mormon girl uh i didn't feel like i fit in and so you know we would have also have all these like activities together because your life is the church and those are your friends, the people mm-hmm. in that Relief Society. Typically, it doesn't spread out to different wards because you're enmeshed with this group of women like so tightly. Right. Um, and it's like, a, you know, several times a week thing. Yeah. Like you have uh-huh. these activities and the activities are usually about cooking or um, I'm trying to think like 
childcare. I don't know what what the yeah all different kinds of stuff. They'll oh, do different activities and like they'll put together packets for like children that are in need or whatever. They'll do sewing. Look at you uh, bringing up the nice things. I'm like, <laughs> they teach about cooking. Oh. <laughs> I mean, but it is really like uh, gendered, I will say, like for the oh, most part. Yeah. And they like, they always do craft nights and things like that. Yeah. And, which, um, see, I love crafts, but also like the craft, <laughs> some of the, I feel like some of the crafts I saw were like, were decently cute, but then a lot of them are like centered around churchy live, laugh, love things. <laughs> oh gosh. I know. I made a Noel. Oh, that reminds me. I made a, it was a sign like Noel oh, on gosh. one side and the other side was Ho-Ho, I think. I don't know <laughs> what it was on the other side, but it wasn't Noel. And I don't think it was Ho-Ho. Ho-Ho, fall. That's what was on the other side. That's a little better than Ho-Ho. Oh, so you could like have fall out during autumn and then, oh, I see. Okay. And then flip it. So it was multi-purpose. I just um, need you to get us some ho-ho drawings so we can have homework. Yes, uh, um, so, I mean, like, these are supposed to be your people. And when you move into a ward, like, cliques are already formed, right? Yeah. And um, I don't know if people understand this, because I'm going to be sending this to a bunch of my friends. Like, a ward is actually just, like, your geographical community of other members of the church. Like, mm-hmm you go, you are assigned a particular ward to go to. Mm -hmm. And if you do not go to that ward, it is a big fucking deal. Yeah. Because Um, they don't have, yeah, it's a huge thing. They don't have your records. It's only, yeah, your Bishop has it. And even if different wards meet in the same building, they go at different times and you're supposed to go at your set time with your set ward. You can't go at your convenience. It's, so weird it's so fucking structured right (laughs) yeah and also when you move into a ward you get assigned um at least when I was there you were assigned a visiting teacher Mm -hmm. I think they're called minister it's just like ministering now ministering angels oh boy yes (laughs) that's what they're called because they had to get rid of the visiting teaching um and just call them ministering angels because I guess visiting teaching probably had a bad like (laughs) connotation or or a bad rap because it's literally an assigned friend it is uh-huh they, and they're assigned it's their job to check on you what is it once a month oh yes at least once at a least month. once a month and you have to like you know record that you've visited your your pros whatever they call them your people yes. <laughs> <laughs> your teachies I guess teachies, um, yeah you know it like it's so fake because they, they also put you with a, a partner, a companion. And it's usually someone that you have absolutely nothing in common with, but you have to like be friendly to because you're both, I know. Teaching, you're ministering angels <sighs> and you love the Lord. And so you obviously love each other. Oh, um, girl, I, when I was living at my parents' house, I got a sign like, cause my mom had her visiting teachers and I I was really trying to not go to church, but we, you know, when you're at home and your parents yeah. are like this thing and I was younger. So they were like, well, you're now assigned the same visiting teachers. So whenever they would come over to visit my mom, I was oh. obligated to sit in the little front sitting room and they were very sweet women. Like one was yes. my next server and one was a neighbor around the corner, but they were both like in their late sixties. I had nothing in common with them. And I just felt, I like almost felt bad. Like you're forced to come to my house and, 
talk to me and then give me this awkward little mini lesson and say yeah. a prayer. And I'm just like, oh, I'm not really interested, but I don't want to be rude to you because you're so sweet. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And, uh, you know, it's, I, it's just a problem because usually either you wouldn't get visited because your mm. visiting teachers were like not into it, at least with me. I, yeah. I wouldn't get visited or I would get a phone call on the 30th of the month. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Got to get it in. Yeah. Yes. Or I would get a letter in the mail. You know, they oh, can send really? notes in the mail. You just have to contact the person and just like, just basically check and make sure they're still alive and, you know, reactivate. Like you really put your effort into the members who are inactive. Less right. Active, right. Because you're trying to fellowship them back into the cults. Uh huh. That's correct. Okay, so oh man, that rant is over. Relief Society, bad. Barbie <laughs> Land, also bad. Um, <laughs> but Barbie Land, women in charge, good. <laughs> yes, yes, that part, good. Um, you know, stereoty- stereotypical Barbie is literally stereotypical Mormon Barbie. Like, yeah, the only thing that you would change in that is uh, she would not wear what she wears in the movie. She wouldn't right. be fully clothed because yes. you know, and she'd have, she'd have cap sleeves and her skirts would go past her knees. And yeah. it wouldn't be fitted because oh, it's no. too tight. Oh my gosh. The scandal. Yeah. But, um, but beyond, beyond the, if the clothes were more, yeah, cover covering more modest, I suppose. Then yeah, yeah she's the stereotypical Mormon that, that we all aspired to be. Exactly. And so what I wanted, what I found, you guys, was an article. Um, this was back when I was going to talk about the um, the alcoholism mm-hmm. uh, that I dealt with, but this is just too perfect for right now. So I actually had prepared this last week. Um, it's an article called His Image in Her Countenance. Okay. And this is an article that was in the Ensign, uh, which is the church publication for adults that mm-hmm. goes out to pretty much everybody's home. And uh, this was distributed out. And everything that goes into the church publications has to be approved by the church because mm-hmm. heaven forbid you put some <laughs> false doctrine out there or make yeah. the church look bad. Right. So this is... Um, our friend that wrote this, their name is withheld. So I don't know. We're going to call her Susan. Okay. And Susan said that in this article, I'm just going to kind of go through it with you because I think this is extremely important for helping people to understand where we get that feeling of perf- like how we have to be perfect and how important it is, you guys. Yeah. Um, so she says that as a seminary student, she developed good habits of scripture study, um, but she couldn't get herself to like really be serious about prayer. She says, in my youth, I'd made many mistakes and because of them, prayer often seemed painful and hard. Mm-hmm. Um, then she's like, I went off to college and my, do- my father died unexpectedly. In my bitterness, my faithful scripture stu- scripture reading came to a halt. Okay, so okay. already she's she's fucking up, Katie, and she's, she's not. She's already blaming herself. I yep. just can feel it. Yeah, her bitterness, her bitterness, yeah. and her mistakes. Uh, um, <laughs> listen to this. Okay, years passed. I married in the temple and bore three children when my husband's husband struggled through law school. Because I was without the sustenance of scripture study and deep 
sincere prayer. I bet she would underline deep if she could. (laughs) (laughs) The trials and frustrations of this period left me open to the adversary and my feelings became tainted with anger and a sense of failure. Okay, let me, Susan, let me, Susan, Susan, uh, Susan, literally, okay, she got married to the temple and bore three children while her husband struggled through law school. And she prayer. just lost her father. Yeah. Prayer and scripture study is not going to do you shit, honey. No, you need <sighs> some, you need some assistance, some help, some child care. You need to make sure you're sleeping. You need some mental health care. Yep. It's, and, and yet she's saying that she wasn't because she wasn't studying the scriptures as much hello you have three kids how could you but that it's your fault and now satan's in your head i oh yeah i mean anytime that i had bad feelings i would shove them down because that's they're bad and they're very uncomfortable once you start feeling them holy shit Mm -hmm. um Something else like I wanted to point out was that her husband was going through law school and this happens a lot where people get married. They don't put off having kids because you're told you need to have kids right away. Uh So that automatically has the woman staying home with her kids because that's her job. Right. Um, And then the husband, he's going to law school and he's definitely working a job as well (laughs) because he has kids. Oh my God. The fact that her, she drove an old car and her clothes were outdated, her furniture was mismatched, doesn't fucking matter. Be- because it's like, obviously, obviously you're going to be broke. Obviously you're going to be exhausted emotionally, physically. Like, this yeah. is a shitty situation. Yeah. And so she says that, you know, she she moved to another state. God, this could be me. Because when I got married the first time, um. I moved to Georgia. I lived in Dallas and uh, the Dallas area, Paris, Texas. Yeehaw. Um, So when I got married, we moved to Atlanta, Georgia. I knew no one there. And we lived in this ward that was, uh, we went to meet people and like, I felt super awkward. Everyone was kind of elitist, um, which, you know, is, is the way they are a little bit. But the reason that they didn't make friends with me was because I was quote apartment people. Oh my God, what snobs. And that's not the only ward that happened at. I'm kidding. They were just like, oh, you live in an apartment, so you're not going to live here. That is very Christ-like of them, right? Yeah. And then I remember I had found a group that I really liked. Um, There were some really awesome women in, in this ward when I lived in Carrollton, Texas. And I ended up having to find a house within those ward boundaries, not having to, but I felt I had to, because if I moved, they wouldn't be my friends anymore. Um, And that is something that, that otherness feeling is something that I felt since I was little. Um, And, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, my family left me behind when I was three years old, when they moved to a different city. Oh, Um, yeah, so I was alone at home for like an hour or so uh, when I was three because my mom thought my dad had me and my dad thought my mom had me. And so, you know, I have a little bit of um, attachment issues yeah, and trust issues. And also I feel like if I'm out of sight, I'm out of mind. And that's pretty much where it began oh. was there. And also it became the family joke, you guys. 
Oh, no. Until very recently, that was something that was brought up at almost every single family get-together. Oh, shit. Just because reopening that Because so balloon. funny. And I would just laugh because, you know, I didn't think, that's super jacked up. And, you know, obviously my parents felt horrible. And my mom said, she's like, when I went to pick you up, I was like, oh my gosh, she's going to be a mess. She's going to need therapy. You know, I mean, I, yes. Um, but she picked me up. I got in the car and she goes, well, Kelly, how was it? And I said, it was an interesting experience. Oh my God. Little three-year-old. Wow. I mean, can you, I, so articulate. <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, that kind of shows that. Yeah. <sighs> you just shove it down. Even at three. Yeah. Um, so she, she was in this ward for a year and a half and, you know, several unfortunate social experiences further eroded her confidence, which I can imagine, <laughs> I can imagine because, um, for me personally, and I don't know if you experienced this, Katie, because you are probably very talented, but, um, when like the church really pushes talents for people, like you're supposed to share your talents with others and work mm-hmm. on being talented and, um, you know, singing dancing, playing an instrument, you know, like I said, scrapbooking is a talent that I clearly don't have. (laughs) Um, And they would have these talent shows and talent nights where you show up your talents. Mm -hmm. And I never, because my talents aren't anything that's tangible. I don't think like, I like to think that I'm great at being uh, relatable. You are not really a talent that you can like put on the fucking, there's, Yeah, there are so many talents that you can't just perform on command, right? Like, so many people are talented in different ways, and talent shows don't include those. Mm. And I I was one of those gals who, like, I took piano lessons, I took ballet lessons, I attempted to play the guitar, but I wasn't that good at any of them. (laughs) I was was on the tennis team, but I wasn't that good. So it was like, I I think I was going through the motions, and like, like for one, I remember one high, uh, talent show. I like tried to do this choreographed dance with my friends. It was terrible, but like <laughs> wanted to be included in that talent thing because we were taught so much, like share your talents, spread them and do all this stuff to like participate in the church talent show. So I'd be like scrambling, like, what can I do to like be included? So I know that feeling of like, yeah. I, I was in all these different areas of talent, quote unquote, that was performative. And uh, I, <laughs> I was mediocre at best, but you know, this little gal tried. I tried my heart out. <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. High five for that. I give you three gold stars. Um, so, you know, that's, that's an interesting thing that I hadn't really thought of. Because like you say, you tried all these things um, going through the motions. And like that has been me um, my entire life. Like, I have tried, well, not really my entire life, but basically when I got into middle school and I was able to be in different uh, extracurricular activities, I went in literally everything that I possibly Mm -hmm. could except for tennis and golf (laughs) because I didn't feel like I fit anywhere. And so I was like, if I fit, if I just go everywhere, I'll find my home. I'll find where I belong. And I just realized like at this very moment that that's, what I've been doing my entire life. Yeah. And you know what? That is what a lot of that message of Barbie was of she didn't know who she was without being that stereotypical Barbie. And all the other ones had their label and Mm -hmm. she was like, wait, 
what am I then? And I really related to that too, because it's like, can't you just be you? Do you have to have some kind of label or some kind of thing you can show off to everyone else to validate your existence? Yes, that's exactly how I feel still to this day. Like I feel a lot of um, pressure to be not just accepted, but to be seen and heard. Um, God, I'm probably going to cry, Katie. But so uh, I I forgot that we were actually recording a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) That's when you know it's good is when you forget and you're like, oh, I thought we were just talking to a friend. Yeah. um, Like I, for my entire life, I've never fit that stereotypical Barbie look or personality or, you know, whatever. And like, you guys, my best friend in middle school and high school literally looked like a Barbie. Like, I swear to Jesus Christ, she (laughs) had long, very blonde hair, blue eyes, perfect smile. She was beautiful. She had the perfect figure, quote, perfect. I mean, all these things I'm saying perfect, but you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. That's Um, the stereotypical. stereotypical. She was stereotypical Barbie and she still is. And you know what? Bully for her. She's, she's got it going on, you know? Um, But that was, that was hard for me being like the ugly friend. You want to know, can I just say something? I just, I don't want to interrupt too much, but like, this is also this hearing this coming from you as uh, I see you and you are so beautiful to everyone who looks at you. Like, I'm not just saying that just to like say it, but for you to say like, I was the ugly friend or I don't look like Barbie because I look at you and I see like, oh my God, this really hot woman with this banging figure and these gorgeous eyes and everything. And I'm just like, that, that is bringing me flashbacks to Barbie when, when Barbie was saying, I'm not beautiful anymore. And Gloria was like, we can't win as women because Mm -hmm. I look at you and I see all the beauty in the world and you don't feel it because of how society and for us as well, our religion ingrained in us that we just don't think that we're good enough and I can look at you and objectively say that you're beautiful and then you in your head are saying that you're the ugly friend and it's like blowing my mind so I had to interrupt and say that (laughs) well thank you I feel very awkward um (laughs) I I mean I you know I look back on pictures of myself and if I try and look at myself like objectively now I can I can kind of see it more than I could. Um, but that's why I say I was breakdown Barbie because people, you, you tell me like, I see this in you and I've never seen it in myself before. Mm. And you know, like when she does have that breakdown, that happened to me this year, um, where I lost my entire identity. Uh, and it's not just from losing my faith in God or the church. It's so much bigger and deeper than that. Um, but I had created this basically this persona, um, called KB. I went by KB, Kelly, my last name, uh-huh. Variantis. nobody can ever say it. Variantis. It's like a long last name. So KB was who I became. And I like tried to create this perfect version of me and, you know, put it out on Instagram because Barbie land is also Instagram, my friends. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, like, how toxic and damaging that probably was to some people um, to look at me and be like, oh my God, she's doing all of these things. It looks like her life is freaking amazing. Like, why can't I do this? I was dying inside, mm. like dying. And it's so funny because during the summer last year, I had what I considered my quote, 
perfect body. Mm-hmm. And I was also, I, I mean, I'm sure I had an eating disorder at the time because I know I wasn't eating. I wasn't consciously not eating, but I, when I started eating again, then I was consciously not eating, but you know what I mean? Right. Um, it was because I was so stressed and I was constantly on the go and I was in a extreme manic state. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people would come up to me and be like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. And I would say, I look sick. Um, Ugh, because- and I just, I hate that whole culture of like commenting on someone's body when you yeah. don't know what they're going through and how you were in such an unhealthy state of mind and body, but then you're getting, your behavior is getting reinforced by people that are probably mm-hmm. well-meaning, but like, we got to stop doing that people. Mm-hmm. Exactly. My friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, Barbie land, Mormon women were there. We've got it. Um, let me go back to our friend, Susan. <laughs> okay. So Susan, she had this girl at church that was her stereotypical Mormon Barbie. Um, oh. she, she doesn't say that obviously, but, um, right. She says that this girl, she would um, arrive every morning for this jogging, you know, they would go jogging together and she had finished her morning prayer and scripture study. She says she was always filled with enthusiasm about the gospel, the scriptures and the insights that came to her as she read. Running with her was like going to a devotional or a seminary class. (laughs) Fucking shoot me. I was going to say that sounds terrible. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And she's like, I found Julie's enthusiasm irresistible. And so she started becoming Julie. And this this is what Susan said about Julie. Her smile was wonderful, radiant, somehow filled with light. She looked directly at me and I was overcome with an overpowering sensation of warmth and peace and joy. I was surprised. I knew I was feeling the spirit very strongly and I didn't understand what that feeling meant. And I realized that Julie being filled with the spirit actively sought to convey the love of the savior to the congregation by the light of her countenance. Oh my God. Or you're just, you're just sexually attracted to Julie, but (laughs) I mean, she might think Julie's bloody hot and Julie does sound like a a hottie with a naughty body, but, but no, um, all seriousness. Yeah. That whole like countenance thing that we're always taught, like have that countenance that brightens others. Like, so you can never off. (laughs) Nope. So, and that sent me down another little rabbit hole. Uh, y'all, I've been thinking about like dwelling on this. Um, <laughs> so she says in the next sentence that she felt the spirit whisper to her, quote, you must learn to be like that. Whoa, that's creepy. Yes. She says, I was to learn to smile like that and to convey the love and kindness to others that Julie had extended to me. Now, I'm not saying it's a bad thing to find somebody who's a role model and try to model yourself after them and, you know, take it their advice and things like that. But this is, she is comparing herself to filtered Sunday version of Julie. Right. right? And she is wanting to not be herself. She just wants to be Julie. And we all know that Julie has problems. She's just not portraying them. Oh, yeah, like so, Julie's yeah. got problems. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so you're like, yeah, you're trying to make yourself into something that's not even real. Exactly. Um, so it says, actually, that reminds me of this song that we were taught, Katie, when we were started being taught this at three, maybe younger, when we were in nursery at 18 months, but the uh, Smiles song. 
Oh my God. If you start to sing it or say it, I'll probably oh, remember. Yes. I'm going to say both <laughs> verses here. Okay. I'm not going to sing for you friends. <laughs> T Swift. I am not. Okay. If you chance to meet a frown, do not, do not let, let it say quickly. <laughs> yes. Go, go. Uh, quickly. What was, what did you think? Quickly turn it upside, upside down, down and smile away. away. Yeah. Okay. Next one. So it's basically quickly turn that upside down and smile that frown away. So shove it in a box, right? We yep. all remember that scene. Oh, wait, there's this beautiful scene with Barbie that Margot Robbie nailed it. When she's on the ground <laughs> with her face planted, uh -huh. she's like, she's reached her bottom, right? Uh-huh. Um, she gets up and she starts talking about how she feels. Yeah. And then you literally see her shove it down inside like push push uh, push 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 yeah she puts that smile on oh my god i yep. know <laughs> so second second verse and this is taught to children no one likes a frowning face mm -hmm. change it for a smile make the world a better place by smiling all the while oh yeah so toxic yeah and um you know, it's like, I don't even think I'm going to be able to get into the, the part about having a faith crisis because like this has been so jacked up. And I just kind of want to like, I guess, focus this time about how your exterior, the way you look is what's most important um, and also faking your way. So, I mean, I'm still going. I'm just going to stop myself eventually. <laughs> um, yeah. So when Barbie goes out into the real world, oh, my God, like dying dying yeah. inside when I saw her what she was wearing and then mm -hmm. got super triggered um with some of the things that happened with the construction workers but yeah uh, yeah so but um when she went and got changed and I was just like oh she looks so cute she's like wearing what she thinks fits yeah Katie that was me <laughs> after garments <laughs> oh yes <laughs> Yes. You need um, to be Barbie for Halloween. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. Okay. Rock that's, that's the yeah. plan. Um, so like you guys, when we would wear these garments, um, I know most of you are familiar. I think all of you should be familiar with Jesus panties. If you're not Google it, um, <laughs> be prepared for what you're going to see. They yeah. are so sexy. <laughs> they are the sexiest things and they make you feel amazing when you're wearing them. Um, I also am fluent in sarcasm. I was going to say, and it's opposite day. Yeah, it's sarcasm. <laughs> um, so like I had been so used to wearing, uh, something close to my, my body because I'd always been wearing two shirts, sometimes yeah. three, because you have the garment top, you have a, like, sometimes I would, that was when layering was really big, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when I was Mormon. And so we would layer. And then once I got out of the church, I, I, got some tank tops, but I felt like they were way too showy. So I layered them with another <laughs> tank top because that makes sense. Well, and your body's used to that sensation, oh, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so also, I'm so glad you said that because it triggered something for me that, I mean, I got into cycling. Like mm -hmm. I was, I was riding, um, before I left my, my husband and, I loved cycling. I loved riding. And 
I, I would wear these, they're called kits, the uniforms that you wear, um, cycling uh-huh. kits and it's skin tight. I mean, it's, it's spandex, like top yeah. and bottom. And so I felt comfortable with that also because the fact that I would be wearing sleeves when it was 170 million degrees outside, because all my jerseys are, were sponsored. And so I had to wear like sleeves. The sleeves. Oh mm-hmm. my God. How interesting. Yeah. Um, and I really felt super comfortable in that, um, because it went down to my knees Yeah. and, um, you and know, I sleeves. felt covered. Yeah. Cause yeah. God, I hate my legs. Like as I shouldn't say that I have always disliked the appearance of my legs. Like, Oh no, 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 no. I'm not here to like at all, like go into any of that <laughs> shit. Like okay. we all have that part of our body that we're just like, um, yeah. And if you don't, then you're one hell of a badass bitch. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, anyway, so I, um, that's, that totally reminds me of the garments and like how you have to, to wear certain things. And then when you start trying to discover who you are, you're so clueless. Yeah. And it takes a long time to figure out what works for you. So I thought it was really cute how they did it that. It was cute. And to find out what you actually like versus like, I don't know, being like, well, now I'm, I don't have to wear garments. So should I just always wear a tank top? But it's like, if you don't like tank tops, but you've never had the chance to discover what you even like on yourself. So it's a whole new like learning process. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but let me go back first when she's leaving Barbie land. Uh, (laughs) I want to make a point. And I noticed this. I thought I heard it in the first one, but I definitely heard it by the third time when she's saying goodbye. And she's like, oh, you know, something's wrong with me. She has to work to be likable. She cannot have cellulite because she's not cellulite Barbie <laughs> or, uh, you know, depression, thoughts of. Yeah, thoughts of, thoughts of death. And, yes. Um, yeah. The uh, she says, you know, I'm trying to think of reasons to leave. I don't want to leave. I'm trying to think of reasons not to leave that I don't want to leave. Oh, man, I didn't I didn't pick up on that the first yeah. time. Well, I'm trying to think of reasons I don't want to leave. Wow. And, um, that was so God, because like when you're in that and you start like dipping your toe out into the real world, mm-hmm. it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. But also you're like, I can't stay in this, this world anymore. Like she didn't, she didn't really fit anymore because she wasn't perfect. She yeah. was having lots of suicide. And like once you start to see, yeah, that the, that parallel of like leaving the church, mm-hmm. and once once you see some of reality, it's like you don't want to see it, but it's almost impossible to go back because it's so hard. You're like, wait, but that's the truth that I am facing these things, and mm-hmm. so I'm trying to think of ways to like stay here and make it work, but it's just not gonna work. <laughs> I yeah, and and my heart like broke when she went to go talk to Sasha and uh, Sasha like ripped her a new asshole, which was kind of deserved, you know, just basically not deserved to her, but about Barbie, about Mm -hmm. all that she represented and the shock that she felt when, yeah, you know, she called her a fascist. And I was like, so I think, you know, that, that perfect, obviously that perfect Mormon ideal, that perfect Mormon stereotypical Barbie has no idea the effects that she's having on generations. That's good. That's the best point. Yeah. 
because when you're in that, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just going to say when you're in that, um, and you're, you're a woman in the church, you do think that you're doing good. Yes. Like you are, you are Barbie in Barbie land. And then Barbie in reality, when she's talking to Sasha is like an active Mormon person hearing things that we say and feeling all that shame and guilt for themselves. It's so nuanced. And mm-hmm. yeah. And it's like, oh, you don't realize that you're hurting other women. Yeah. Yeah. And that realization like punches you in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> when we get to Mattel, <laughs> what do we think Mattel is like, Katie? Oh my God. That was, yeah. Like all the men in that charge. Yeah. And she's just like, can I talk to the, the, the boss? Where, where is she? And he's like, right here. And she just leams off all these different titles and it's just all men. And it's like, Oh, that's familiar. <laughs> but they think they understand. They, yeah. they think that they're pro-women. They're like, I have a mother. I understand women. <laughs> I'm the mother of a son. Wait. <laughs> wait. Oh, wait. Uh, so, you know, that's the patriarchy. And um, they, they like, they created the Relief Society. Remember me talking about that at the beginning, where mm-hmm. I was saying this is the largest women's organization in the world created by men? Yep, that's right. Oh, man. And um, membership is is compulsory. You mm-hmm. turn 18, you're a member of this uh, right, right. patriarchal-run women's society. So, uh-huh. um, and then <laughs> when... Oh, Cute Ken. Um, Ryan Gosling. <laughs> oh, Ryan he did Gosling. so good. <laughs> I have never liked him. Really? Uh, yeah. It's literally out of just sheer, like, I just disliked him because he looks like every Mormon boy that you're supposed to, like, want to be with. He does. And what's, did you know he grew up Mormon? Yes. And, and yeah. so, <laughs> so that's funny that we know that because... Does anybody really know like other stars that grew up like Catholic? Are they like, <laughs> oh my gosh, they're Catholic too? I, yeah, I know. I wonder, but probably not because For it's sure. not as, like you know, like a rare. <laughs> and let's let's just think, friends. A lot of the people in Hollywood are members of the same cult. Yeah, uh, just a different one. Um, <laughs> got another name. So <laughs> what I want to go over next, um, because I'm having. I've, I'm talking too much um, because we also just verified that, you know, Mattel is the priesthood who is also stupid, like, like them getting stuck at the, the turn still. Turnstile. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> literally it's, it's, that's how it is. They're just so behind everything. So, so behind. behind, so behind trying to keep up and they can't, even though supposedly God's whispering in their ear, but <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, we get into the the kingdom. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Barbie tries. They try to put Barbie back in the box, and she starts to feel it. And it's like, you know, after you start kind of getting out of the church, and they try you try to get back in because you miss it. You it's comfortable, um, and then you start trying to fit back into that mold, and it's like you can't do it. No, it you just can't. feels wrong. It feels yeah. so wrong. Mm-hmm. Um. We get back to, to Barbie land and it's turned into kingdom because Ken 
discovered patriarchy. Uh-huh. And then <laughs> and horses. And the patriarchy. I was just gonna say that. So horses are the extension of men. <laughs> yes, yes. Um I can't remember what he said about it. I'll have to see it again. Um <laughs> there's an excuse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh so the the Ken, like Ryan Gosling of Kendom was an amalgamation of literally every single boyfriend I've ever had. Oh my God. That's nuts. It is. And um, like the asshole was definitely like pre pre Mormon. Well, not really. They're all in my mind. It was there. It's all of them. I dated Ken, you guys. Um, And especially when he's like playing that song and staring awkwardly into her eyes. Oh my God. Yep. Yep. It reminds me of my college boyfriend, Hiram. I'm going to tell you guys a little bit about Hiram. Oh, I can't wait. <laughs> he he was adorable and he had like, you know, a super deep voice. And um, but he was pre-mish, which almost turned me off. He was he hadn't gone on his mission yet. And so I was like, ooh, we can't get married. So, you know, <laughs> that's normal for an 18 year old to think. Right. Uh, but uh you know, I wanted, I so desperately wanted to be with him. And he, he was just very kin. He was perfect, right? Quote, looked perfect. Uh Um, So I found these letters that I was writing him. And I guess, I mean, I don't know why I didn't send them. Uh, Oh, I know, like this stuff is gold. Uh, (laughs) mm Mm-hmm. And this is one of the paragraphs in my in my letter to Hiram. I love you so much. Any guy I see makes me think of how lucky I am to have you. Uh, you are the greatest thing in my life. Uh, the best thing that's ever happened. That's not the part that I wanted to go over. Where to go? Sorry, we're gonna go back. Little eighteen-year-old oh. you. Oh, I, I even wrote a poem. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I thought I was Taylor Swift for like a hot second. <laughs> Um, so you'll see just how disturbing this is once I, if I find it, what the, oh, it's right here. Sorry. It's right in front of my face. Um, (laughs) sweetheart, I am going to work out hard this summer so I can look my best for you. I want you to be so happy with me when you see me again for the first time in ages. All of this is for you. I want you to realize that. I want you to feel worthy of your love. I want to feel worthy of your love. You deserve the very best, and I'm ready to do whatever it takes. I love you. Oh, no. That is so unhealthy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, honey. Yeah. yeah. If, oh, but we know those feelings all too well, right? And it's yeah. like we didn't get that we're worthy of love no Mm -mm. matter what we look like. No, not at all. Like we, and that's what's, you know, in, in Barbie land, that's what these women have become. Yeah. They don't remember all of their accomplishments. They all just become just the outside. And like all the Barbie dolls are not like, that's what they are. It's, it's a beautiful girl, like the perfect shape. I mean, until recently, I don't know. I don't play with Barbies anymore. So what the fuck do I know? (laughs) But uh, when we grew up, it was, yeah, it might have had brown hair, but it was shaped the same. And mm-hmm. it had that perfect smile and those beautiful eyes. And like, that was the ideal. Not, yeah. we didn't give a rat's ass if Barbie had a fucking degree in, I don't know, rocket science. 
it right. just mattered how she looked. Yeah, and that's um, what happened to them mm-hmm. when it turned into Kendom with the patriarchy. They forgot all of their other attributes and yeah, positions of power. And I mean, men in the Mormon church are looking for a trophy wife. Yeah. There's nothing, there's really no other way to explain it other than that, because you date them for a very short amount of time and then you get married and it's like, yeah, what would you want to get married to? Someone that you think is hot because you want to fuck them. And you can't know someone in like a month. No. So the people who do get get married and stay together, that's just pure luck, right? Because... Yes, I wouldn't say luck. I would say uh, a lot of them are stuck. Well, yeah, they're still Mormon and they're just staying. But like I'm saying, I knew some people who got oh. married very quickly and they they left the church together and they're still together. And it's oh. like, I think that's lucky. But I love yeah, that. If, if they're still in the church. Yeah, there's probably just pressure to stay. Yeah. So the uh when when the women get together and they're like helping build each other up trying to remind each other of what they've done what they've accomplished uh-huh that sisterhood that's what like friends that's friendship what i imagine friendship looks like <laughs> yeah exactly um and these women you know having forgotten who they are uh the men oh, crap what was i going to say <clears throat> it was something profound you can just cut this out um but oh it was when the women start like bonding together and uh helping change the other women's minds yeah I thought of this podcast oh yeah and uh, mm -hmm. I thought of how you guys like you create such a safe space um for people who are questioning or struggling with literally anything like you just are a safe place and you build each other up and it's all about like just love and fun and camaraderie it's just it's it's like a big huge friendship circle I just, uh, I, I'm smiling so big that's so freaking nice of you to say and it it makes me feel happy that that people do feel safe and built up and they can like come here and be themselves and not be judged that's yeah very very cool to hear thank you you're welcome um and so you know when barbie lost her identity her faith in herself you know all these other women were being reminded of how amazingly smart and you know what they've accomplished in their life and you know their identifier so like dr barbie or Mm -hmm. um you know politician president barbie president barbie was who they were she's just barbie and when she wakes up, which is like, if you, if you wake up like I was when you're 30 years old and you're ready to get out of the church and you haven't had a job for like eight years, six years, you haven't had a job for six years. You've been a stay at home mom and you don't have a lot of money because your husband's been the only one working and you, you're like, what do I do? Yeah. I have no skills. And so you just stay yeah, because it's easier. Now, if you have the balls to be like Barbie and, you know, stand up for yourself and leave. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's also terrifying because that's when you realize like she lost all sense of her real self and she had nothing, nothing to stand on that, um, where she felt like she was of worth. Um, even though Barbie is fucking smart, like, 
yeah. that character, that character, even before, like she, she would say things and you're like, oh, she's smart, but she would discredit it because that's yeah. what we do. Yeah. Um, it's so the, when I left the church and when I left my husband, um, I had no idea who I was. I, yeah. you know, and, and it's like, once you realize that that church is not true or that relationship is not true, whatever is not serving you. And you realize that like you're, you're the, the blinders are taken off and you can see and you can't unsee. Um, so you, you're lost, mm-hmm. you're completely lost. And you, you lose all the answers to those questions that you never even questioned. Like, who am I? Right. Why am I here? Where am I going? Uh huh. We had all those answers. So when, when I say that I was like Barbie on the floor crying, that, that was me at, you know, when I did finally lose all faith in the church, I was like, what do I do? Um, it's, God, it's hard. Yeah. And yeah. Like I've, I've had that. I mean, last year that was it when I finally realized I wasn't KB anymore. Um, that I, I changed the name. I got rid of everything that was uh, from the 2022 season for Wolfpack. I got rid of it off of my Instagram because that time period is so, uh, so dark so dark for me. And yet I was still posting, like I was happy. Um, and at the time, like once I lost the team, once I lost, um, I lost a lot. Once I lost everything, I, I didn't know who I was. And that's when I ended up in the hospital because what was I worth? If I didn't have a team, if I didn't have people looking at me, telling me how awesome I was, if I didn't have a product to show, I wasn't worth shit in my mind. And so many women feel that way and you don't have to, you don't have to. Yeah. Like America for what was her name in there? Gloria. Yeah. Like her, um, explanation of what it was like to be a woman god wasn't it so great it I I was just like literally everything she said was true yeah I have a portion of it here if you want me to read please do yeah if you have your article I'm done talking no no I just want to no no I just want to read this one little part because I was like we gotta do a little bit of what Gloria said because she said this isn't all of it but some of it You're supposed to love being a mother, but don't talk about your kids all the damn time. You have to be a career woman, but also always be looking out for other people. You have to answer for men's bad behavior, which is insane. But if you point that out, you're accused of complaining. You're supposed to stay pretty for men, but not so pretty that you tempt them too much or that you threaten other women because you're supposed to be a part of the sisterhood. But always stand out and always be grateful. God, you guys. (laughs) It's, It's just so spot on. And I could have copied and you know, said the whole speech because every single line that she mm-hmm. said during that, I was like, oh my God, it's so accurate. Yeah. And how she said, like, it's impossible to be a woman because there's so many expectations placed on us that are unrealistic and contradictory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think the men that are seeing it that are like 
not, you know, conservative Trump supporters are finally hopefully seeing what it's like, you know, just from that, that speech alone, what it's like right. to be a woman. And, you know, Barbie, Barbie, this perfect, like little doll, she felt like she had nothing. She felt she wasn't pretty enough. Why? Why? It's it's, it's so frustrating to me that like that is one of the things that I know almost every woman probably feels is that you're not enough. Yes. You're yes. never good enough. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel that. I think almost every woman I've talked to has felt that. Yeah. And um, you know, I've been open on my social media about my mental health and you know, like it goes back to that whole Barbie land at the beginning. People don't want to hear it. Yeah. Barbie said, you know, have you ever thought of death? And everybody stopped. And then she was like, oh, just kidding. Right. Um, Yeah. You don't want to be that awkward person, but it's like, you have to talk about real life things. And it's not awkward if you just get the stigma out of the way. It, you you know, know? and it's, it's very like, it fucks with my head and I know it shouldn't. I'm, I'm literally admitting this at the end of the podcast because maybe a lot of people won't be listening to me anymore, but, um, (laughs) I, 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 you know, I don't know. It's, it's impossible. It's impossible. And, um, you know, like I, I went through and looked like I had everything, um, lined out, everything looked great. And that's when people were like all over my Instagram, right? Mm-hmm. And then when I started being real, I had people block me. I've had people unfollow me and I've been muted. And obviously my, everything's gone down since I've been honest. And I uh, hate that because yeah. we need that. We need people who are willing to speak up about their problems, about their hardships so that we don't feel alone. So that we know women aren't always loving being a mother and they don't always want to post about their kids, but they feel like they fucking have to. Or, you know, it's just like, we can never win yeah. and we can never talk about it. Yeah. And that is what makes me so angry. Um, you know, it's it's hard for me because I've always really wanted people to like me um, and to listen to me. And part of my, when I was made manic, I thought I was going to be like the next Kim Kardashian, but like a normal person. like a normal Kim Kardashian, you guys. <laughs> I literally thought that. So um, mania sucks too. <laughs> but um, people need to talk about it because I feel so such a deep connection with you mm-hmm. because we're able to communicate about these big, heavy things. I I feel that connection right back. And I have ever since I think ever since you first emailed the podcast, which was years ago, mm-hmm. and um, I, I want to say like, of course, I follow you on your social media, and I live for your social media content now, and I just it makes me my love for you grow even more because that is very important and very difficult. Like, I, um. I get emotional and I try to be really transparent and open on the podcast, but in my personal life, I'm still working on it because 
because of that stigma that you were just saying, like, I want people to like me and I don't want people to think I'm too much or. Exactly. And that's bullshit. I shouldn't have to feel that way. But we, you know, you constantly do that thing where we feel like we're walking on eggshells. Like we want people to listen to us and give us validation. But we also don't want to come off as like, oh, she's too too angry. Mm -hmm. She's too angry. She's too political. And it's like, I wish we didn't have to dance that line. I wish people could just accept us. And I wish that everyone as a society could just open up and speak freely and, and help each other through shit. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's life is not pretty. And like, I refuse to fake it anymore. And I have, I've had plastic surgery. I've done Botox. I still do Botox. I, I, you know, get my lashes done. I've done the lip fillers. I, I, I done everything in order to be perfect. Like everything. Yeah. And, and I still wasn't enough. Yeah. I, then I that's, felt like, and that's, like, I felt like it wasn't enough. That's, that's the whole point, right? Is because of these systems that are in place in society and in religion, and in a high demand one like Mormonism, um, people in general, but then especially targeted groups like women and LGBT people and, you know, everyone. But, yeah, we're talking about more uh, women specifically. They're never enough no matter what. So, like, you could say, oh, I have this this goal for my ideal body or this goal for my ideal hair. You achieve it. But it's if you're enough. not if you haven't been able to make that mental that mental healing work for you and even then you're still going to have a hard time with it because of of what we live in day to day well and also we were brainwashed yeah for Mm -hmm. however long we were in the church and you don't have to be in the church for 30 something years in order to be more brainwashed than somebody who's been there in 10 like five years one year it starts even before you join, you start getting brainwashed. And oh, you know, yeah. part of it is gaslighting where they're like, the, these Mormon women look so fucking happy in Barbie land. And so we're like, that looks amazing. I want that. I want to be perfect like that. And why am I not like that? Exactly. God, oh, I, could my just, God. I could just go on and on and on. I, I really could rage. We um, may need to have a part two because... I feel like yeah. this just barely got started. <laughs> it really did. Like I said, I, I mean, I've watched it thrice, my friends. Right. And You're the note. expert. <laughs> but, well, um, thank you for, for coming on and talking about it and your vulnerability and your openness. God, it's, it's, it seriously is terrifying. Um, and I'm glad that I forgot we were, uh, hear my voice <laughs> shake. Oh, I'm glad I forgot we were recording. <laughs> Yeah, that was that was the best. That's the best form of podcasting, in my opinion. So, well, thank you for listening to Two Wise Trees <laughs> talk about Barbie. You remember that part? Yes, I forgot <laughs> about it though. Take notes. <laughs> oh my God! All right, everyone, let us know what you thought of Barbie. Chime in on the conversation in the email or on Instagram, and we will be back soon. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.